0: Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. Today, I have Darian Lace on the episode. How's it going? Hi. (laughs) Great. Did I pronounce that right? I just want to make sure. Yes, yes.
1: You pronounced it perfect. A lot of people butcher my name, but you got it right.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that I didn't butcher it. So I just met Darian at the Muses in Wonderland event. Plug if you're a photographer, sign up next year because it was awesome. (laughs) And (laughs) you were so nice, and like everybody there was really nice. It was just a fantastic meetup. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I really
1: think that the reason why it was so nice and why I feel like we kind of had that bonding experience with each other was the fact that the majority of us did not have cell phone signal out there. So we couldn't like retreat into ourselves and retreat into our phones like we so often do in social, you know, in social situations. So I feel like that lack of access to the outside world on the internet really kind of helped everybody connect with each other and actually forced us to get to know each other and have conversations and be nice.
0: I agree. Actually, I thought about that after the event. During the event, I was like, shit, I want to upload behind the scenes, but I can't. But you're right. It, It made us, forced us to be connecting with each other.
1: Yeah, it was, was very much a breath of fresh air. That was probably in all the events that I have been to, which is surprisingly a lot, even though I've only been modeling for about two years. It was probably one of the most positive events I have ever been to and ever experienced between the organization of the event, the venue itself, the models that were in attending. I mean, everybody was just so generous and so nice. And it, I actually didn't feel like it was that competitive of an, an environment.
0: Yeah, I agree. Everybody seemed to be really supportive of each other. So you said you've been modeling for two years. Is that just modeling full time two years or just modeling entirely for two years? Modeling in
1: general for two years. It started off as I booked myself a little boudoir shoot and I had so much fun doing it. And then the photographer was like, I'm serious. You should try modeling like you're really good. And she barely had to direct me. She's like, I think you're a natural at it. So I, you know, decided just to use because I paid for the pictures and I made sure I was okay to use them for advertising. So from there, I opened up an Instagram and just kind of started posting and advertising myself for TFP. And, you know, from there, things just really kind of grew and took off. And I, you know, joined a more, you know, what I now know is a controversial meetup group. But I joined with them and that person who runs that group really helped you know, get my name out there and help me get into some of the larger events.
0: That's awesome. And so you're up there in the Northeast. I've been stocking all of your stuff and I, I see that you're up in the Northeast.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm based in Pennsylvania, but like I travel all over the DMV area. I really actually don't shoot too much in the state of Pennsylvania itself. I'm more in like the Maryland area.
0: Wow. I have like an intense fascination for models who are Like just started traveling. Who are like really taking it by the reins? And like I honestly, I I barely know you, but after meeting you at the event and like seeing your Instagram, and then you just told me that you just started modeling two years ago and you're already traveling. Like that's really
1: cool. Yeah, my my very first like actual travel, like where I had to get on a plane and go really far away from home. My first travel experience was I was about exactly a year into my career, and I went to Vegas.
0: Sweet. Yep. How was Vegas?
1: Oh, goodness. there That trip, I think anybody who was there on that trip agrees that it was a disaster. I oh. barely got images back. Uh, thankfully, I was sponsored to go out there, so I didn't really like lose any money. I think I only had to pay like $100 towards a plane ticket or something. Everything else was totally sponsored. I had transportation sponsored, my place was sponsored, food was taken care of, but it definitely came with a cost. <laughs> my sanity. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's how you learn sometimes. So you, you went, was it a TFP event, but hardly anybody returned images? Or
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a TFP event. So some of us were sponsored to go out there with said meetup group that I just mentioned earlier in the conversation. Oh. Uh, We've flown out there to this house. I think it was like from like certain hours of the day to certain of the day we were to just like shoot with as many photographers that were on site as we could. Photographers were encouraged to give us images back. Unfortunately, the majority did not do that, which sucks, but But, you know, some of us models, though, kind of like how we did at Muses, where we kind of ran off with our cell phones and we're taking pictures of each other at one point just to make sure, like, oh, I really love this outfit and I want to get images back. So we would just run around with our iPhones at some of the locations.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. I mean, at least you probably, like, learned stuff and hopefully got some images and met people that helped your career, I'm guessing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I network with some really valuable people, and you know, I'm really, I'm thankful that I got the opportunity. Bummed that you know there was plagued with drama and stuff, but I also feel like you know when you have a house full of people, full of models and photographers, that that is just kind of bound to happen.
0: What kind of drama, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Oh man. Oh okay. So I, I kind of did. I kind of did a no no. I accidentally, and very much emphasis on accidentally, let a model at the club. And after that happened, it all just fell apart. And I felt so terrible. Like, in my defense, we told her we ordered the Uber and she decided to go back out onto the dance floor. And I was like, I really don't want her to do that because I looked into, because we were in VIP and I looked into the room where she was at and it was just a sea of people. And I was like, our Uber is almost here. Like, I can't abandon this. So I ended up just being like, screw it. Bye. And I left. i I still feel terrible about that. I apologized to her like the next day. Her and I hashed it out. We talked, you know, I explained to her, you know, I didn't really know about club etiquette because I had kids mad young. So I kind of skipped that part of my young adult life of going out to the club and going out in general. So that was like my first experience. I didn't know about certain, you know, do's and don'ts. So I bled on my own ignorance. But yeah, there was that. There was just, gosh, I was having a really bad day. We went to Nelson's ghost town. I was having a oh, cool. so, uh, really cool space. Owners were really interesting people. The guy had rattlesnakes in his freezer. Oh, <laughs> he was wow. cool. like, you want to see my rattlesnake collection? Flings open the <laughs> freezer and there's just like all these dead rattlesnakes just chilling. Like I was like, oh, okay. So we really out here <laughs> in the desert but it was just a bad, bad day because I was having a really hard time getting people to shoot with me. And I was kind of just walking around for what felt like forever. Eventually I started getting a headache because of the heat. And, you know, I, the event runner was kind of like not happy with me for sitting down. And, you know, I kind of had at some point, you know, you you're in the heat for so long, your mood's gonna go from happy to like. I'm pissed to be here. Like, I just want to go home. So he yes. was mad at me for having bad attitudes. So right then and there, like, I think, gosh, this was day two of being in Vegas. I was like, I quit. Unapologetically quit. I knew I was flying out the next day anyway. So I was like, oh, well, we'll just suck it up and being awkward for like 24 hours.
0: Oh, man. I'm sorry. That sounds like it sucks. <laughs> it
1: sucked, but I learned so much. I definitely learned, like, I was able to apply the negative experiences from there and apply what I could do better when traveling again. I actually did not travel again until Muses. I took some significant time off of any type of travel and any type of large event work, you know, for the next time that I did that. So for Muses, you know, instead of being totally reliant on somebody else and having somebody sponsor me and feeling like I was indebted to them, I sponsored myself. Like transportation, I brought my own car. You know, I shared an Airbnb with a whole bunch of other amazing women, you know, we made sure that you know, we each had food for ourselves. We ended up you know, doing family dinner anyway, but we still had options of like, being able to fend for ourselves. So I made sure to make it like a totally independent trip where you know, I had you know, plan A, plan B, plan C in case if anything went wrong instead that's of just good. being totally reliant on somebody else.
0: That's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I've, I've heard and also experienced that sometimes when the photographer books your flight and then books your accommodation, they feel like they might be entitled to some kind of special attention or if you fall out of favor with them i've heard in some cases they might cancel your return flight because they have the power to fuck with your travel plans if they're the one that booked it so yeah, oh, yeah. way to go for taking the reins on that and in the end it's like i think it feels better and you'll be more confident in your trips if you're you know taking the reins on all that it it is tempting when somebody's like oh come to my city, I'll fly you out. It is tempting. Though.
1: It It is very tempting because it's like, oh, I don't have to put this money out. and Then I can just, you know, do nothing but profit. But then like, I don't know, I know some sponsors and I've heard sponsor horror stories from other models where it's like that sponsor feels like that they own them almost. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, you know, and I'm not going to pay you until I'm good and ready and like all this. Thankfully, I haven't had that type of experience with sponsors. It was just or along the lines of just feeling like, you know, I owed them everything and stuff and, you know, them kind of, you know, being like, oh, I can kick you out of the house if I want to and all this and that. Like, that was very intimidating being like, crap, I'm out here with no money. So for sucks, muses, I've definitely made sure to, you know, have all these backup plans in mind and, you know, like, the, that was much more comforting. And that's like what I would give advice to any newer models as well, being like, you know, make sure that you have plan A, plan B, plan C, just in case.
0: That's great. Do you mind if I ask how old you are?
1: I am 28 years old. Oh, wow. And most think I'm a lot younger than that. So I'm just going to take I would that have guessed, and run
0: with it. <laughs> I would have guessed like 23.
1: Yep. That's that's when I get, I get between 21 and like 23, 24, which is great for my career.
0: Yeah, totally. So with, so you started two years ago, you started when you were 26 and yep. like, what made you, besides the photo shoot that you had where they told you, you should do this, like, like career wise, like is freelance modeling, like, where does it fit into your life? Is it like your main thing or are do you have other like income streams as well?
1: It is my main thing that is, it's like my one source of my income. I just started teaching pole dancing, which I do a little bit on the side, but Yeah, for the most part, it's just, you know, just a nice supplemental income. It pays for, you know, some fun stuff and whatnot.
0: I saw that you were teaching dance and I like looked at some of your videos and I think that stuff is like way cool.
1: I freaking love it. I actually got into dance because of modeling. I was like, oh, I want to get more toned and get a little bit more fit. And I think that maybe like you know, learning the different dance moves and stuff with pole, like it will help me be more fluid in my posing and give me new posing ideas. And it definitely has. And then it now is like my first love. Like I love modeling, but dance, like if I had to pick between the two, I would choose dance and aerial like any day of the week just because of how much fun it is. And it's a different type of community as well.
0: That's awesome. I I wish I had the dedication for that, but I think I I might be shooting myself in the foot a little bit by traveling too much. I don't have like a consistent way of like getting to a dance studio, I suppose.
1: You can also get a pole for your, for your home too.
0: <laughs> that would be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> I used to have a pole in my house a long time ago. I used to live in a party house. This is like, this is like two Christie's ago, but I didn't know how to do any tricks on it. I just bought it because I lived in a party house and I thought it would add to the atmosphere. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh! I mean, it definitely will add to the atmosphere.
0: <laughs> but please tell me it was not a cheap one off
1: of Amazon because, man, do I cringe at the sex store poles and the Amazon poles? Like, oh look at this poll for a hundred dollars! Yeah, it's gonna snap in half and you're gonna die.
0: <laughs> so I bought it on Craigslist, and when <sighs> I went to go buy it, there was like two ladies with strollers that were selling it to me. And so they had their like infants and in their strollers, and I met them at the. The Tacoma Mall parking lot, and I bought this. It's the kind of pole that you like twist, and it likes like pressurizes against the ceiling and the tension floor. pole. Yep, yeah. So we did it wrong, and it ended up punching a hole in our ceiling. And yeah, so oh, I, you have to you have to use
1: a stud finder. That's why that's why they tell you to use the stud finders. That way, you don't put a hole in your ceiling.
0: Oh I think gosh. that we did, and we just did it wrong. I don't know. We didn't know what we were doing.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds so bad.
0: Yeah. And plus people that were like, like dudes would like swing around on it that they we were like over the, the weight limit and it would like fall over and yeah. Anyway, so I had a pole, but I can't, I screwed that one up. I didn't have any good experience of like actually practicing any cool moves on it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That being said, the attempts that I did make do make me appreciate people like you who are talented with doing interesting things on a pole because that is hard well thank you so
1: much it is hard it is very very hard it's like people ask me for like oh well, how can i do this trick and i how can i do that trick and i'm like okay conditioning it is a lot of calisthenics exercises lots of push-ups lots of exercising utilizing the pole and engaging those muscle groups because that's where you get the strength from, you know, to be able to lift yourself aerially and spin around and go up into handstands and, you know, only be gripping the pole with one hand and stuff. It's a lot of body strength. So I always tell people, like, go to the gym and work out. Condition, you know, get your muscles muscling. Yeah. (laughs) And then try it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I think a lot of people, like, because of its taboo or whatever a lot of people don't give the credit of the amount of effort and training that it takes to do that
1: oh man the first my very first pole practice I ever went to I woke up the next day and literally felt like I was hit by a bus like I was so sore and all I did was like a couple of moves and I was like why am I so sore
0: wow it's crazy so with your modeling like what, where do you see it taking you do you just want to keep on riding the wave and like traveling for modeling or like do you have aspirations in it like i'm so curious just because this is a different era today than it's a completely different world to when i first got into traveling modeling like everything is different like social media is like you know the main way of communication and booking and and all this stuff like so like i'm just so curious people who just got into it like what what are your desires and like how do you see it fitting into your life in the next you know few years or whatever
1: i have just been enjoying. I used to have all these crazy goals in mind. And now that I have been in it for as long as I've been in it, I'm just really enjoying riding the wave and just kind of seeing where it takes me. And I've always kind of been like that, you know, like I used to be a competitive gymnast and a competitive cheerleader. And back when I was really, really little, like I remember how my journey with competitive gymnastics started was I looked and I saw the girls and these fancy, beautiful green leotards. They were called the green girls and they were the team for the gym that I was training at. And I looked at my coach and I was like, I want to be like them. I want to do what they're doing. And my coach told me, you know, we'll put your mind to it and work really hard and maybe you can. And I kind of took that as a challenge. So I challenged myself. I made team. I became one of the green girls, you know, and I kept going with it. Same with cheerleading, too. You know, I wanted to do the flying stunts, all that stuff. So I worked really hard at it and, you know, eventually made it onto a competitive cheerleading team and even cheered in high school. And my my passion in life is proving people wrong. You know, I was a young parent. I got pregnant when I was twenty years old, you know, gave birth when I was twenty one and everybody was like, Oh, you know, she's not even gonna be a good mom, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, she's yeah. just gonna leave she's gonna leave her kid with her family. And man, did I bust my ass. You know, I was working part-time at men's warehouse. <laughs> I busted my ass, saved as much money as I possibly could, you know, gave me and my son a roof over our heads, you know, really was with him 24 and you know like never gave him to any family members for babysitting and stuff just because i wanted to prove people wrong so when it came to all of that personality bit and put that into modeling i really wanted to kind of see if i could do it and see how far i could go with it just to see because i've always wanted to do modeling i tried it way back when i was younger and got total because you're not going to be 10 feet tall you can't be a model so now i'm like ha i'm going to prove people wrong i might have to do some weird stuff sometimes But it's still
0: modeling. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Can you elaborate on the weird stuff part a little bit?
1: Oh, man. I have a regular, and I love him to death. He is a very nice person. This is definitely not a horror story, but one of my regular gigs. And I probably get booked by him, like, every other month, once a month. But he does wrestling videos and like damsel in distress but it's not normal people wrestling it's wrestling with inflatables and stuffed animals oh my god (laughs) and i just have an absolute blast with it i slap like the plastic octopus across the face i'm like don't you touch me get off me you bastard and i slap it and i just like punching on the octopus we like wrap me up in like stuffed animals that are like as big as me sometimes bigger and we like wrap me up really tight and then like make me fight my way out oh my
0: god and it is
1: it is such a good release though like I freaking love it like I love bookings like that I've done wrestling videos with other models that that same photographer has booked me for currently planning a jello wrestling baked bean wrestling thing oh
0: my god yes
1: (laughs) but I, I love I love that kind of stuff because I feel like it's such a good like release and it kind of shows like you know like there can be the positivity in the weirdness. I do videos for slime models on occasion where like I have dumped food all over myself. It's super gross, but like part of me like really loves it because it's, it's something fun to do. I do the, the tickling videos too, where I've gone in and had my feet tickled.
0: Nice. That's yeah. Awesome.
1: So like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, that's kink. And you know, some people don't. You know, I feel like some of the kink community gets a bad rap for being predatory, but any of the kink producers that I have worked with have actually been nothing but nice and super, you know, respectful of boundaries. I've been very, very fortunate that I don't have too many horror stories, especially when it comes to the kink community.
0: So I have a couple things. Firstly, the guy with the stuffed animals that you wrestle with—is he like in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania? Yes, yes, he is. Oh my God, I work with that guy. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I'm so yeah, rich. a long time, like 2014. Oh man, yes, he's still at
1: it. He is still kicking with it. And man, like he's, he's so nice. Like he's very nice, very he's respectful. So I personally haven't heard anybody having a bad experience with him. I know everybody kind of has their different experiences or has their different takes on things, especially when it comes to that end of the community. But yes, my, I heard my videos do very well too.
0: Cool. I think he he booked a hotel for me, and we did a video shoot where I was fighting with his octopus in the bathtub.
1: Oh, see, I wrestled with that. I think I know exactly what octopus you're talking about. Oh my about God. the same one. That was the one that had me wrapped up, and I slapped it and called it a bastard. Oh,
0: that's so funny because, like, we we don't know that we've done the same shoot with the same person like many years apart. But I love finding out about this stuff when I talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because like some of the weird fetish stuff, like you wouldn't believe like what the hell, like this is people are into this. But then somebody on the Internet or a producer in person wants to hire you to meet up with another model to do this weird, I don't know, like pie in the face thing or something. So you make friends because you got books to pie each other in the face or tickle each other or something like
1: that. Yeah, I enjoyed the tickling and I hate being tickled. But like I oddly enjoyed it, though, because it felt like it was kind of like laugh therapy, I guess.
0: Yeah, like if you're going to pay me to tickle me, that's cool. Otherwise, like, I don't Absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have done a fair share of fetish stuff, but I don't do it as much anymore. I'll only do it if it sounds like it's going to be fun. Right. Yeah. Like I,
1: you know, I have um, you know, I do like, you know, custom content and stuff too. I had a custom content order that was just me putting on a whole bunch of different pairs of jeans. He just wanted videos of me putting on jeans and I was like,
0: "Okay, that floats your boat, dude." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I guess the genes fetish. I, th- I think that there's a rule. I think it's like rule 42 or something. If you can think of it, there's a porn category for it and people making videos of it. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And then with, with the, I was going to say something. Oh yeah. Tickle fetish producers. I've only had one weird interaction, but I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are a few tickle fetish producers That are like extremely possessive of the models that work for them. They say, Oh, you can't work for me if you worked for my competitor, and they'll be weird about it.
1: Oh, that's not cool. I think people need to be able to make their money, and people should be supportive of that. Like, share the wealth.
0: I agree. I do agree. I think that it might be some weird, like, possession thing. And there are some photographers, I don't know if this is still a thing today, but earlier. In my modeling career, like people that I worked with, like frequently when I was starting out, later on they would like talk about me as if I didn't appreciate them, or they would talk about other models who went on to become really successful, but they had worked with certain photographers first, and they'll say, "Oh, she used to be really great to work with, but you know now she's got her nose in the air, won't trade with me anymore," or or they'll see that you worked with another photographer that they get jealous about. Like, oh, she won't work with me, but she'll work with him. Have you experienced any of that type of drama with photographers?
1: I have a little bit. Definitely like the, oh, well, you know, I was good enough to do TFP with back then, but now you're throwing rates at me. And it's like, listen, like my skill set since we've shot TFP has improved. And that's how I like to explain it to them. Like, you know, back when I was shooting with you, I really didn't offer so much of a, as a service because I needed help you know identifying my light source and I needed help with you know sometimes with posing direction and stuff now that I totally self-pose I provide my own wardrobe I do all this stuff and but our skill set no longer matches up you know you know and then you know I have some people yeah and I but the worst part is is when you're cutting off TFPs and you've created kind of a friendship with that individual and it really sucks having to be like your work doesn't benefit I don't get anything for my time anymore really you know Like your work is kind of underneath of that scale, which I hate saying because it sounds so snobby, but it's true. You know, you have to value what you're putting out there. Yeah, and eventually, like it just doesn't match up to what you're trying to be about. It sometimes just doesn't match up to your branding, but it really hurts. It hurts my own feelings when I have to do that to somebody who I consider like a friend or that I've built a, you know, cool relationship with, and I have to kind of cut it off.
0: Yeah, that does suck. But I mean, if if you are excelling in like your skill set and that photographer isn't like, you know, matching that effort by excelling with his skills or her skills, I suppose. I can't be sexist here, but there, I hate to say this and some photographers on this podcast are going to really hate this, but a lot of photographers plateau at a certain photography level and they feel like they know everything and don't want to further their experience as far as like what kind of lighting or experimentation they want to do and you're right a lot of a lot of people who've been shooting for a long time they don't improve the quality of their work but a lot of people do but i've seen such a vast variety of photographers who you know they say they've been shooting for 40 years but all their photos are out of focus or they've been shooting for two years and they learned a shit ton off of watching YouTube videos and they're on the cutting edge of technology and they're amazing. So there's a variety of, of people and their talent.
1: I know some photographers probably listen to this. Some probably hate this as well. But anytime anybody introduces themselves to me and they go, I've been photographing for 40 years, I do not message them back. I'm like, nope. To me, because to me, it's something about it is just a red flag to me. Because anytime yeah. I've ever shot with anybody who's like, I've been photographing for this many years, and I'm like, I started photographing before digital was a thing, and I was on the old school film, and blah, 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 blah. Like, oh gosh, I'm like, no, don't do that. Oh man, no, I'm not even going to message you back. I hate it, but I've had to learn just like a lot of those. For some reason, it's just a red flag.
0: Yeah, you know, it took me a lot longer of a time to figure that one out. But you're right. Like, when I see that in their first line of themselves in their profile or their model mayhem or whatever, I'm like, oh, this guy's got his head shoved up his ass. And he doesn't know. He only shoots on auto, probably. And he'll probably stand and shoot down on you and make it really short.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hate that so much. I'm like, just get low and tilt the lens up a little bit because I've disappointed some people. I'm extremely short. Most people think I'm around 5'7 because I photograph long and tall if they photograph me well. And so I've walked into shoots of four and they, oh no, she's short. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but if you shoot me low, I promise you will not be disappointed.
0: Yeah. How tall are you?
1: I am four foot 11. Oh my gosh, you are short. (laughs) I'm a teeny tiny. I call myself a spicy chicken nugget. I'm the Wendy's spicy chicken nugget left in the backseat of a mom's minivan that is my essence
0: (laughs) yeah I'm I'm five okay I say I'm five I'm like five one and a half but whatever
1: (laughs) all right so we're gonna round you down and say you're five foot one okay so you're only a little bit taller than me
0: (laughs) yeah I mean but you're right as long as the photographer has their angles right it honestly doesn't matter unless they're making you pose with another model who's way taller than you you can't tell
1: Oh yeah, I've I've had to I've had to get snooty with that too a little bit like when they want to pair me with somebody like my general rule of thumb is like if I if my head is beneath their shoulder line I won't shoot with them just because we're I'm gonna make her look stupid tall and she's gonna make me look ridiculously short and it's not gonna be flattering unless we're like only sitting if we're sitting and we're not standing then I'm like okay that's fine but if she's like if they like want us like standing back to back which I've had before I'm like Uh oh my god you're gonna make me look like a midget like what is this
0: Yeah, I feel that. If they're making you do like matching poses, it is awkward. But I did co host these photo events with another gal who's five foot nine. And I'm I'm really, you know, she's way taller than me. And we just don't do symmetrical poses. We'll do like, you know, staggered or one standing one sitting or one in front of the other or whatever. But it hasn't I mean, in some images, I'm like, wow, she's way taller than me. But but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't write it off completely as long as I coordinate with the photographer in advance like okay yeah it, it, it definitely depends on the photographer like if they <laughs> like if they know
1: their angles and they know kind of what they're doing and there's like a concept in mind I'm like okay but if it's just like a run-of-the-mill DWC, I'm like no absolutely not
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> with all this being said about like weird photography experiences I want to bring up a part of the Podcast that I have everybody do. It's called the Photo Shoot Fail of the Week. Can you describe a scenario whether the photo shoot itself was weird or crazy or the photographer was out of line? What's your photo shoot craziest story?
1: Oh my gosh, man. I've got a couple. Am I allowed to share more than one?
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. One. So we're, we're gonna go from like the
1: most tame to like the worst of the worst. So okay. My most tame one would be I had a booking at a workshop and I had a one on one. And this individual, oh my gosh, he brings in this mirror and he sits it on like kind of like on the ground, like on like a raised, like kind of like on a platform type thing. And he's like, okay, I want you to like get, you know, totally nude. And I'm like, okay, because this is a, you know, a nude booking. So I get undressed and then I'm like, okay, so what's the mirror for? And he's like, I want you to sit on the mirror. And I was like, oh okay so you know i'm sitting on this mirror butt naked then he's like you know i'm making model faces i'm trying just to get through it because i'm like this is gonna look really really freaking weird i can already see it in my head that this is not gonna look flattering then he wants me to be making nothing but cheesy smiling faces yeah so somewhere on a photographer's hard drive is pictures of me sitting on a mirror, smiling. There was another, and that same photographer during that same session was like, you know, okay. Then he wanted me to sit on a bunch of pillows. He took the mirror away, had me sit on a bunch of pillows, and he made me lean back and made me stick my tongue out. Took the picture, shows it to me, grinning from ear to ear, and goes, it "Looks like you're licking your own." Hoo ha! And I was like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "Do you like it? What do you think of it?" And I was like, "This is great." what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, he was an interesting character. The event runner knew what he was about and like had kind of prefaced being like, oh, you have a booking with this guy. He's super weird. And I was like, okay, then why do I have a booking with this guy? He's super weird. He's harmless. He's not going to touch you. And I was like, okay, I guess so. That is weird yeah now like kind of more into like no that was like lighthearted. kind of more there's more two serious stories the first one being that i used to and i no longer offer this anymore because of this incident i no longer will shoot it i used to do shibari i got into a little bit into the rope space my first couple of shibari shoots were with somebody else and they went really amazing he was an excellent rigger i never had any pinching i actually did suspension work with him because i trusted him so much so Then another shibari person reached out to me and was like, I want to book you for a shibari shoot. So I said, okay, you know, not all riggers are the same. This one, unfortunately, was a bad apple. So he has me rigged. Uh, He has me in one of those, like, ties where my arms were tied to my calves. Okay. (laughs) And I was totally spread eagle. We're shooting. He keeps looking at, you know, this is a full nude shoot. He keeps looking at my lady parts, licking his lips and going, mm. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was so, but I'm like, you know what? Just push through it because this booking was a lot of money. So I was like, just push through it. Just do it for the money. Just do it for the money. Just try to tune it out. And then eventually, though, I had to get a point where I was like, you know what? We need to stop this right now because he had said something along the lines of, you know, I wish that I could, you know, eat you out. Oh, I'm cringing so hard right now. (laughs) You know, put a vibrator on you. And I'm just like, okay, we're done here. We're done here. Also, he had me tied with macrame. Not even regular shibari rope like you're supposed to. So I was tied with macrame. I was itchy. My skin was crawling for more than one reason. Uh, it, was, it was terrible. But I did ask to be cut out of the tie and that we were finished and that I just needed to get home and get paid. I never heard from him ever again. I never spoke to him ever again. Thank God. Uh, as far as I know he's not super active in the community anyway it was just such a weird and awful experience really that's
0: fucked yeah I'm I'm cringing for you on that like (laughs) bad. yeah oh yeah and after that I didn't
1: I no longer offer Shabar anymore just because of that particular situation because you know I didn't want to have myself again kind of bringing back to the Vegas conversation vulnerability you know I'm totally reliant on this son of a bitch to untie me (laughs)
0: yeah
1: I mean, and realistically, like he could have done whatever he wanted, you know, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to stop him physically. So that is why I, I no longer will offer that, you know, content. I don't shame yeah. anybody for shooting that content. It's just not for me anymore. Just because of that one bad experience.
0: Yeah. And what I learned in that regard is that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes if they're doing like damsel in distress, like content for their website or whatever, generally they want the model to have a good experience if they're making money off of their content but if it's just some guy that's like hiring you for a shibari gig you know for his own like personal desires or whatever personal collection yeah I- i'm assuming that this guy that did this was probably the latter the personal collection type guy
1: Yes, he definitely was a personal t- collection type guy. I never saw those images. You know, I've done work for art galleries and stuff before, and none of that ever came up in a gallery. None of it, you know, it. it's just, yeah.
0: Oh my God, yeah. Hard
1: no for me. We'll never recommend
0: anybody ever work with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, is that in the Northeast? I'm not going to ask you to say his name. And I was curious.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that is in the Northeast. It's more Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. He is a known creeper. And that was my own mistake, too, was I had heard horror stories. I had had a shoot with him that wasn't Shibari related. And it went okay. I think it was actually like my second photo shoot as a model that I had with him. So at the time, I didn't really like understand because looking back on things now and knowing what I know now, I was like, oh, my God, why did you even go back for a second shoot with that guy? because it was like a lot of like pressuring and stuff but I just kind of was like oh well maybe they just really want those particular images and I'm like no nobody should ever be pressuring you to do anything more than what you pre-discussed you know yeah Um, but back then I was totally on my own this is even before I got into that meetup group I was completely freelancing it, 100% on my own didn't even have like access to model safety groups or model safety group chats yet I had to completely rely on like my own intuition with that
0: but then yeah. Yeah,
1: I gave him a second chance and I was like, okay,
0: so we definitely didn't imagine that whole thing. He's definitely unsafe. And this is a really interesting topic, too, because when it comes to newer models breaking into more full-time modeling, they're the ones that are the most vulnerable to this type of thing. And it's us experienced models who've been doing it for a while, who are already in the safety groups, who like are already talking to each other. But there's like a disconnect between the ones that are just getting into it and the ones that are already in the safety groups, I feel like there, there needs to be more of an outreach effort where people can, there's got to be like systems through social media where people can reach out to, to others who are like, hey, I see that you're just getting into modeling and you're in my area, by the way, look out for these people or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely wish that like, there was like some sort of like roster that you could sign per area be like, I'm a new model, like help me. And I have had new models to my direction before i always tell like people that i'm photographer friends with hey if you ever work with a new model please send her my way and i would be more than happy to give her the list of known photographers in the area be more than happy to give her some advice That's actually how my relationship began with my best friend she was a brand new model and a photographer friend of mine hit me up and was like hey she needs some advice like she's just not breaking into the space and i know that you know you know a lot about who to and to not work with etc So, you know, he threw her my way, and you know, we blossomed actually into a beautiful, wonderful friendship, and now we hang out all the time. (laughs) That's awesome. Did you say you had another horror story, or is that? Yeah, yeah, I have, I do. I have number three. This one's pretty
0: heavy. I have to provide a disclaimer to give you some context about the story that Darian is about to tell without giving up too much information because I I don't want to do a disservice to my podcast guest. However, the story that she's telling is a very vulnerable story. And there are some details in her story that she did not feel comfortable exposing because she had been threatened by some people that were involved in this in a legal way. So she was very careful with her wording and the things that she said to protect herself. Just understand that as she's telling this story, she's being very careful with her words.
1: And I do want to preface this by saying that what I'm about to say, what it was 100% consensual was there was no RAPing involved in anybody. This was just a really poorly communicated, executed shoot. So I had a shoot with another model and we were going into this shoot knowing that we were going to be filming content for OnlyFans and knowing that we were going to be filming adult content. Back when I first got started in modeling, I was more into the adult industry space more than anything. So You know, we had scenes pre-planned out. Everything was planned. Everything was good to go. So her and I were shooting together and stuff. Everything's going fine. Another model shows up to the house that we were at, at this um, studio for this workshop. And this workshop was for the first model. I was just like a sub, like secondary model, pick up some extra bookings and then film some OnlyFans content. Mm -hmm. But then this third girl shows up and, you know, the person running the thing was like, hey, how about all three of you guys shoot together? And... We all were kind of like, uh, not really pre-planned, but I guess so. And then, you know how like when a kid is playing with their Barbie dolls and it's like, now kiss each other. Mwah, 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 That yeah. was kind of how this situation turned into. And then it was like, okay, you guys are now going to, you know, have a threesome. And we all just kind of looked at each other. And because I was so, you know, I was still like a year into this. I didn't really like know how to go. No, this is out of my realm of comfort. So I rolled with it. And so did the other girl. And so did the third individual model. She also, too, rolled with the whole situation. But it was just so awkward. Like, during filming, like, the one girl had already done, like, threesomes and stuff before. So she was literally telling us what to do while filming. It was just super awkward, a very uncomfortable situation. The third model that got added ended up running away mid-scene. Like, she rolled out of the bed and, like, left the room. And I felt terrible. Yeah, I mean, I I thought good on her for leaving and for kind of drawing her line somewhere. I was kind of hoping that she would because this is really awkward and really uncomfortable. Yeah, and like a whole bunch of drama happened after that because that other girl was talking about things and there was some exaggerations happening as sometimes people do. She was a brand new mom to the space as well. I felt terrible that she exaggerated some things because those exaggerations, you know, end up getting somebody accused of RAP, which I don't think is ever okay. You know, you have to be so careful Mm -hmm. with flinging that word around that is not a word that needs to be taken lightly. Nothing that happened during that shoot was that, but it was just really shitty, planned, poorly executed super awkward like none of us you know we all got sent the video footage none of us ended up reselling the footage just because you could see it in all of our faces how uncomfortable we were you know
0: oh yeah so was it the photographer that suggested that this is going to be a threesome now or yeah
1: yes yeah it, it was them that suggested it they were like okay like you know it was like, again it was like barbie dolls now kiss each other mwah,
0: mwah, mwah, you know
1: and you know me being you know i i'm a people pleaser at the time i was now i'm kind of like meh you can go ahead and screw off. Like, I really don't care what you think of me. But back then I wanted to please so bad. So I was like, okay, we're just going to suck it up and do it. You like girls anyway, here's two of them, you know? And yeah, now looking back on things now, I really wish I would have just been like, this wasn't pre-planned. Like I can't do this. Like screw people pleaser.
0: That's really interesting. So you like the third model jumping into the mix and then the photographer suggesting, or I suppose videographer, it was video, whatever that, that Person filming probably just assumed that everybody was going to be okay with it, and they probably also had ulterior motives because they wanted to see that happen. Is that kind of the? Am I right on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it was entirely like malicious intent. Like we're going to make Buddy super uncomfortable because nobody wants super uncomfortable video footage. You want the footage to be hot and sexy. It's not hot and sexy when you're going what do I do with my hands there's two ladies like I don't like does each of you get a hand I don't know so yeah I mean I definitely think that it was just really crap communication and I definitely think that with uh, scenes especially when you're not branded as that and especially with a photographer like you know like there are like porn producers and stuff but with porn production what people don't see is the planning that goes into it you know prepping your body that goes into it, you know, like, I know, you know, porn stars work really hard to prep their bodies for certain scenes and stuff. So I definitely think that, you know, like, and that's where I think, you know, porn culture is a little bit toxic, you know, with porn being so easily accessible on the internet is like, you see, you know, two people banging, you don't see the people, you know, laughing and cracking jokes in the middle of scenes, you don't see them pre discussing boundaries, you know, you don't see any of that. So some of these photographers, you know, because they're so used to just seeing just the porn shot, they think that that's how it should be when they don't realize that pre planning that has to go into it. So that way, you don't have some poor girl running away mid-shoot because she's like freaked out about being thrown into an all-girl threesome.
0: Yeah. I heard a quote that has always resounded with me: it says, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So yep. it sounds like it might be like a, everybody was people-pleasing to continue the situation, but but it wasn't a hell yes. <laughs>
1: no it definitely was not a hell yes i mean like i was hell yes to you know it just being me and the one girl because i already knew her you know yeah. we had you know a modeling relationship already i had shot with her previously and stuff so i was like you know and prior to the whole like you know threesome incident, it was a very lighthearted day and then that whole incident happened and it just kind of everything just went to shit. When the other girl ran off, me and the other girl, like me and the first model that I was originally supposed to just shoot with, you know, we talked and we were like, okay, we're gonna turn lemons into lemonade and we're just gonna go live on OF and try to make some extra money to make, you know, this day just a little bit better. Maybe we can at least walk away with, with some extra cash, you know, it's kind of worth it. But yeah, like my advice to anybody who's looking to get into that type of space or make that type of content, like you can't just be like, Yeah, we're gonna make content. You have to actually like plan out what you're going to do, who was going to do what. Write out, you know, your boundaries and your limits. I've done shoots like that before, where I've shot adult content, and we wrote out boundaries, and they went really smooth. You know, yeah.
0: like
1: every everybody jokes about my one boundary being like absolutely no butt stuff. I'm like, no butt stuff. Don't even ask about it. I won't do butt stuff. You know, to you or to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as long as it's expressed in advance, then you know that feels good to like move forward with the filming.
1: Exactly. My word of advice to anybody who's you know doing the modeling thing you know don't ever on the spot film any type of content like that also just because it's not safe i mean you know people should be getting you know std screen not to say that people are dirty it's just you know you never know you know there are people who only slept with one person who end up with, with a very unfortunate you know sti or something like yeah. there should be std screening involved and there should be like 100 percent everybody's on the same page group chat plea planning who is going to do what who is comfortable with what who is uncomfortable with what
0: Yeah, I just recently had like a group Zoom call with an intimacy coordinator who works in like Hollywood movie scenes for like sex scenes and stuff. So, and she was mentioning that it's common in like the mainstream film industry to have an intimacy coordinator set. But back in the day, like the 80s and 90s, before it was like, standard it was really hard to get intimacy coordinators involved because the producers didn't want to have another person on scene that was allowing the actor or actress to say yes or no to what they were going to be doing. And that intimacy coordinator and I were on a group call with another model who is creating a document that's going to be passed around and they're working on the legal logistics of it. But it's supposed to help the modeling community, particularly in modeling shoots, to have a document that, ha- that has a list of like all the things to circle yes or no to. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation and that having that document readily available for people could be like helpful for the industry or just you be used as a tool to like c- communicate that.
1: And I, I definitely think that something like that could be helpful. I think it should be part of just like the call sheet. I've done a f- couple of photo shoots where there's been a call sheet, like what I'm expected to do what wardrobe I'm going to bring, how to do my hair and makeup. And those call sheets are super, super helpful. So I feel like if you're going to be doing a duo set with another model, that that should be part of the call sheet of just like, you know, this is what's expected. This is what I'm looking from you. List off your boundaries and send it back over. You know, I, I feel like that should be just like the standard, especially when it comes to any type of duo content or, you know, adult content in general.
0: Yeah. I mean I I can understand if one of the three people that were like involved in that situation felt that their ba- boundaries were seriously crossed because it, I mean if the boundaries weren't communicated clearly when they added that third person in you know that I mean that could be traumatic everybody everybody ingests you know things that happen to them in different ways
1: yeah I I, I do know that that extra girl that was added on was traumatized you know i talked to her afterwards kind of got her thoughts and feelings because at the time i was really gaslighting myself and being like no this is normal this is normal no like you're just being dramatic you know you're not being open-minded and you know when i reached out to her about everything and she was like that was really messed up what happened to us and i was like okay so she's not the only one that feels like this was traumatic because she wasn't so she's not so deep into like as deep into the modeling stuff as like the rest of us are So she kind of has that more like real world perspective where it's not, you know, like skewed by, you know, people manipulating you and stuff. And she's also Mm -hmm. just more of an independent thinker, too.
0: Yeah, I understand. It can be tough. And the the gaslighting yourself part, too, like I can resonate with that in other personal situations in my past, because at first you want to say, you know, I agree to this. You know, I I was in control of what was happening because you want to believe that for yourself. But then sometimes later on, you think, you know what? I did not have a say in what was happening and I wish it didn't happen the way it did. But what can you do, you know? Yeah, it just like it was a damn like that that whole situation like really was
1: negative for everybody, and, you know, and people's names got dragged through the mud and stuff and rumors were flying and it was just like it was a whole a whole mess. That sucks. You know, I mean, in the part that the, you know, my other co star who was in that video with me, I mean, like, there was like rumors going around saying that I said that, you know, she had RAP'd me. And I had to then later, like, months and almost a year later, go on and have to like publicly clear her name and be like, I never said that she did this. But for those wondering about that situation, she never did this. You know, everything that day was consensual, which is why I was nervous to bring this up, you know, because. A, I don't want to open up, reopen up any wounds for anybody who was involved in that situation or, you know, have a potential for that, everything to get started back up again. But I do feel like it's important to talk about because it's literally worst case scenario that happened. happened. And I feel like, you know, people who are newer in the industry or people who are already in the industry, this is a valuable story for them to hear and to kind of take away from it. Because after that whole incident, I really changed
0: everything that I was doing completely. Wow. It was massively impactful. Oh, thank you for being so like vulnerable and open and sharing that story because I can imagine, yeah, it's probably hard to to talk about. It you know, it is hard to
1: talk about, but the way that I see it too is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to any model's career happened to me. (laughs) You know, I had a hateful status posted about me, written by a very, very popular individual in my area, a photographer. And, you know, I really had to Overcome that whole situation, and it literally is the worst thing that could possibly happen to a model, in my opinion, one of the worst, aside from being, you know, essayed, having somebody try to drag your name through the mud and everything, you know. So, I'm like, okay, the worst thing that could possibly happen happened. So, now we can just freely talk about it because, you know, it's not going to happen again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your experience and how all that went down. But yeah, you're right. Like, I think that. People pleasing is definitely a trauma response. It's it's kind of also how we as women are conditioned. So people want to point the blame at if if you went into freeze mode and just kind of like uh, or freezer fawn mode where you're, you're just either frozen up and you don't know how to say no or you're in fawn mode where you're just like trying to please the other person or in this case you know everybody involved to like, you know, get out of the situation eventually when it finishes, you know, it's a lot of people say, oh, if if I was being put in a situation that was making me uncomfortable, I would just leave. But when it's like a social situation, and there's lots of people involved, like you're kind of second guessing yourself, you're like, are they going to be pissed if I like stop? And if they're pissed, am I going to be in danger?
1: Yeah, d- definitely. You know, it's if people can say all they want. Oh, if I were in that situation, I would have just left. I would just say no. And sometimes it's not that cut and dry, and it's not that simple because here you are in front of a very, you know, renowned photographer, and you want to please them. You know, you don't want to be like, I don't want to seem unfun or uncool or you know, because you know, to some of these individuals, boundaries are not cool. Boundaries are lame, and your lame mm-hmm. sauce and your drama, if you have them and express them. <laughs>
0: Yes. And that's fucked up. And it's toxic. And I'm glad to see that a lot of people are moving the industry in other more positive ways. And I think that this conversation happening is contributing to that as well.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like conversations like this need to happen, you know. And I feel like it also, you know, kind of shows, you know, like, yeah, not everybody always says no and they make they have regrets afterwards. But then you take away from those, you know, my takeaway from that was I'm never going to shoot that type of content again. I'm done. You know, after that whole situation, I was like, okay, we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where there could be a third person added. Because when you add, you you know, too many people, I also feel like contributed to that whole negative situation. But I made sure not to put myself in that spot again.
0: That's good. I suppose, unless it was like with a legit company that was not going to pull that kind of bullshit, you know, but doing it with freelancers at a workshop or whatever. Yeah. That recipe for disaster and not handled by professional or empathetic hands, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to, I know we've been, we've been just talking our heads off here. I I haven't gotten to the, the rising Phoenix question yet. So can you describe something in your life that was a challenge that you had to overcome gosh I would actually say this happened very recently so you know
1: I kind of alluded to that you know one of the worst things that can happen to a model is having a well-known photographer bash them publicly Mm -hmm. and that happened to me it was such a sucky situation. I didn't really know how to handle it. Thankfully, I have some really great, you know, PR type people in my life who were telling me how to handle that situation. And I will forever be thankful for them. I never even paid that post any mind. I never addressed it on social media. This is actually the first time I'm ever even talking about this publicly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I never I've never shared my thoughts about this publicly. It was upsetting to see. And you know i was waiting for all the hate messages to come my way and hate comments to come my way and they never came and then i watched so many amazing women and models you know jump to my defense publicly and publicly defend me and that was so amazing and you know i so i just sat back and just watched it all and just kind of let whatever happened happen and the way that i saw it was you know if we sometimes ostriching doesn't work. Sometimes you need to handle your problems head on. But with that particular problem, I felt like what was best was just, you know, instead of adding more fuel to the fire, just staying quiet and just sitting back and just letting that wave happen. And it ended as quickly as it started. And I came out on top of it, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's not all models careers can survive drama like that because this post that was made about me was bad. I mean, it was like There was a lot of untruths there. There were half truths there. There were exaggerations in there. You know, there were people saying that, like an ex boyfriend of mine, commented, was like, "She came at me with a knife." And most people who know me are like, "She's a pipsqueak and can't even do anything." Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it was. I mean, the post got out of hand pretty quickly, and then the post actually later was like deleted. I think it was not even up for a full twenty four hours. It was up long enough that a lot of people saw it, but a lot of people defended me too more defended me than supported that post about me. So I really had to kind of just give it time. I didn't lose anything because of it. You know, if I lost any model people in my life, it was probably for the best anyway, because in my opinion, if people are going to believe stuff about you that's not true, then this, that's not someone who needs to be in your life anyway, either professionally or friendship-wise. Or friendship yeah,
0: agreed. And something that I've witnessed when it comes to photographers or models or anybody really is that your reputation is really going to back you up Have you had or has any individual had other things mentioned about them that were you know defamatory and if somebody has a history of having derogatory things happening in association with their name then over time it's going to be that's the person that's the problematic one not the you know model that was in a threesome that was a surprise threesome, you know, (laughs) like I I'm obviously I wasn't there. I'm not gonna, you know, pretend like I can like judge what my opinion of the situation is. It's not my business to do that. You know, it's definitely none of my business. But just based on the description of the scenario, I and and my experience in modeling and being in situations where there's somebody holding the camera and then there's, you know, women in front of the camera. Generally, the one holding the camera is the one that's saying what they want everybody else to do. And if that communication isn't like, yes, for everybody involved, you know, then it's kind of like a power dynamic thing, which does not make that you, the subject that's one of three subjects, the problem person, like, what the heck? So (laughs) I would definitely raise an eyebrow at the person filming and directing what was happening because... The intimacy coordination there was not quality.
1: No, it, it definitely was not. You know, I know that, you know, the head model that was there, you know, she really tried hard to, like, take charge of the situation and just kind of be like, okay, we're going to talk you guys through everything, but it was just still, like, having that communication prior would have been extremely valuable. And yes. my, my takeaway from that now is I just no longer say yes anymore on the spot. I have had to be like, no, and I really don't care if it gets me labeled as difficult to work with.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and the people that do find that type of behavior difficult to work with, you don't want to work with them anyway. Like exactly. Like if you're the type of person that wants to sprain something on you in the moment and then gaslight you saying, oh, I thought you were spontaneous and fun, you know, like, Fuck those people. Like, no, you have to bring shit up before expecting me to perform your fantasy. Like, come on.
1: Yeah, and I, I no longer all, like do stuff for like personal collections anymore too. I used to offer that service of like, okay, yeah, we're gonna film this video for like someone's personal collection. I don't do that anymore either. Like I really like created a lot of hard boundaries after that whole situation. That's
0: I mean, this entire conversation that I've had with you, I've learned so much about you. And one thing that I wanna note is like for the amount of time that you've been modeling just two years the amount of like you said at the beginning drama that you've been through and how you've had to persevere through it today in in this social media atmosphere where like one bullshit thing like it said about you could taint like you know how people view you for a long time if if it is allowed to become that like that's crazy I feel lucky that I started a you know, way before Facebook was popular, I guess not way before, but I suppose I started modeling like 18 years ago, like MySpace. Oh my right? goodness. I MySpace know. days. Yeah. But like social media wasn't what it is now. And definitely like major benefits to it, like the safety groups that we have and the communication that we can have with each other as models. But it can also work just as strongly in the wrong direction. like. A rumor can spread like wildfire. And then if people have a standpoint on a situation, even if, you know, they don't have enough information or it's really none of their business anyway, like what happened with you? Like people will create their opinion about it in a standpoint. And with social media, people like, you know, create a like a hatred, like party train against one person over a scenario that they honestly don't even know exactly, you know, what it's about. And it's none of their fucking business.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And like in the last, gosh, two years, I feel like I've just lived like a lifetime with the modeling, you know, I've already like been across the country already for it and stuff. I definitely am a lot further than where I thought I would be now. And like my old goals are no longer like my current goals where I'm like, you know what, that would be cool if it happened, but we're not going to like actively try to like fight for that to happen in my life you know like I would love to shoot for playboy or shoot for med art at some point in my career but it's not something I'm gonna be like I'm gonna go to the ends of the earth to reach this yeah particular goal if it happens it happens and that's kind of seems to be how things have gone for me where it's like just kind of opportunities have like fallen in my lap and I'm like all right cool we'll take this and run with it and see where it goes see where it takes us that's cool
0: yeah yeah and, and that's the way to be when I first started I had all these you know, sky high imaginations of what I was going to be as a model. And it didn't serve me because it really wasn't what I actually wanted. And I didn't really know what I wanted. I thought I was going to be a petite fashion runway model because I was obsessed with the show America's Next Top Model. And I was
1: like, Oh, I watched the show when
0: I was a kid. That yeah. was like, <laughs> epitome of reality TV. Yeah. 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 And so I thought that's what you had to do. I was like taking notes and, and Anything that was a gig that I found that I like tried to do that was fashion related was all a scam. Everything was a scam, (laughs) and in the end, I decided okay, the people that are interested in working with me and hiring me are the people who are doing like body paint and like glamour and nude and stuff. So I'm like, all right, it's not the big break that I should be aiming for. It's just enjoying a bunch of smaller gigs that are enjoyable experiences for me and just continuing to do that so i I think that you're on the right track with not i mean trying to like do all these things that make your name look big because that's just popularity contest bullshit in the end
1: Oh yeah, like if you know Playboy ever were to happen and it fell on my lap, great. If I'm not going to cry myself to sleep over, if it never happens, but yeah, you know, I just I've really been enjoying just sitting back and relaxing and just kind of being like wherever the wind takes me. You know, the wind took me to Muses, which was just like probably favorite experience so far. You know,
0: that's awesome. And you're doing the dancing and you're getting into the aerial and like all that stuff that's also enhancing your variety of posing I think that yeah just go with that like that's cool and when people when people like see your stuff online and they follow you like that's what's going to resonate with them the most not like if you got published in playboy or whatever like that might happen but that's not you you know I think that what you are doing is really cool
1: yeah, and like I, I had always like told myself like no matter what, I was gonna be true to myself. And I think those who know me in real life can attest this because it's been said to me, but the way that I am online is the same exact way that I am in person. <laughs> I do not have this fake, sexy personality. I don't have it in me <laughs> to be fake. And, and nothing against those who do. I know that some like to have like that wall of like, this is my personal life and this is who I am, and I'm gonna keep this secret and safe you know, and then have an alternate because, you know, you can't protect yourself having this kind of like alternate persona. For me, I just can't keep up with it. So I'm like, we're just going to be all daring all the time online, unapologetically. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. I mean, that is, that's so cool. I've, I've loved having this conversation with you. And it just it gives me more like, I suppose, faith in humanity to hear from other models, like, you know, who have even just gotten into it, like you, Just saying stuff that you only want to be yourself and do things that make you happy. That, for me, took a long time to figure out. So that's awesome that, that you're there. Yes. So we're closing up to the amount of time that I usually have these podcasts go for. Is there anything else you wanted to mention on the podcast? No, not
1: really. I think we hit like all of my talking points because I had like little notes written down and everything for this. I took this very seriously because this is my first podcast. So I was like, we're going to talk about stuff. We're going to do it right. We're going to make notes.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having all those stories pulled up and prepared because I love stories. I love hearing other. And the guy with the octopus, I fought with the same octopus. Like, what? Like, that's and Now, it's,
1: now it's... I feel like a little starstruck. Like, oh, this is mm-hmm. the same octopus that Chrissy Jessica also wrestled. Like, it's giving me a little starstruck moment
0: <laughs> oh my god i think i have that video on an old hard drive i'll see if i can find it
1: <laughs> oh man those those videos man they are like some of my most favorite things to shoot i love light-hearted fun content there's something to be said for you know sticking out from smile you know doing the glamour thing because i like you know being like yeah, my mom who had a double c-section breastfed two kids and here i am you know 28 and a glamour model there's something to be said for that but there's also just like something about just wrestling with that polka dotted octopus that just unleashes a beast
0: <laughs> nice <laughs> all right darian i'm gonna let you go now but i'd love to have you in a future episode sometime if if you'd like to i'm, I'm planning on coming up with like more targeted like topical episodes down the road like when i run out of models to interview <laughs> where i can bring you back and maybe even have more than one model kind of like have a back and forth discussion oh, about fun. opinions and stuff yeah
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it.
0: All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.